we need to keep telling these kids that like, just because no one like you has played it doesn't mean no one ever will. You could be that person. You're listening to Burnt Toast. This is the podcast about anti-fat bias, diet culture, parenting, and health. I'm Virginia Solsmith. Today, I'm delighted to be chatting with Katie Garrity. Katie is an actor in New York City, most recently seen as Little Red and in Into the Woods on Broadway, as well as the national tour. After graduating from UMass Amherst, Katie made her Broadway debut in the original cast of Groundhog Day in 2017. Since then, she has worked all over the country and internationally, including a year at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival playing Tracy Turnblad in Hairspray, debuting the new Bound for Broadway musical Bliss at the Fifth Avenue Theater in Seattle, and performing in the North American premiere of Anne Juliet at the Princess of Wales in Toronto. She is currently, as in when we're recording this, performing in Sister Act at the Muni in St. Louis. I asked Katie to come on because she knows firsthand what it's like to be a fat kid in theater and a fat professional working actor in theater. And that's a conversation I'm really interested in helping parents and kids navigate because we've talked a lot about anti-fatness in sports, but we don't think enough about how much it shows up in the theater world, which has this reputation of being a more inclusive space. I think a lot of us who did theater in high school gravitated there because it's where the weird, quirky kids go and you feel like anyone should be welcome. And all too often, that is not true for fat actors. So Katie is being really vocal in using her success to help lead conversations about what we need to do differently. She has so much great advice for parents. She also has really great advice for kids. So if you have a kid who's interested in theater, I'm hoping this is one you'll listen to with them. I think there's a lot here, and it'll give you both a lot to talk about and think about. So here is Katie, but first, a quick break. Okay, I want to take a minute to tell you some really cool news. Burnt Toast is an official sponsor of this year's Philly FatCon. Philly FatCon is a two-day convention curated for fat people by fat people. It's taking place on October 28th and 29th in Philadelphia. They have an amazing list of speakers and three expert panels on fashion, healing from fat phobia, and fat influencing, as well as yoga, dance, meditation, and twerking classes led by qualified fat instructors. Philly FatCon will also be hosting the third annual Plus Swap, a clothing swap for plus sizes with a dozen size-inclusive vendors and a mending table. And the whole thing gets capped off by a fat costume party on the Saturday night. So if you are into fat activism and fat community and you can get yourself to Philly at the end of October, click the link in our episode description to get your Philly FatCon tickets today. It's going to be an awesome, awesome weekend. My name is Katie Garrity. I am 29 and from the Boston area. I started acting really young in that area, kind of accidentally, but I've been kind of involved in theater since like being a small child. And then I went to, you know, all throughout high school, doing a lot of like regional theaters around me and all of that stuff. Went to college, actually at UMass Amherst, instead of like a full theater school and did a lot of other majors as well as theater. But Broadway for me was very immediate. I booked it right after I graduated, like 36 hours, I think it was, which is wild. That's a lot of people must hate you a little bit. Well, everybody asks me, they're like, how did this happen? I'm like, please don't ask me. I'm not the right person to ask. (laughs) Anyway, Broadway happened, worked a lot as a professional actor kind of all over the country. And then in this last year, I was a part of both Anne Juliet, which was about to go to Broadway. And then I left that cast to join Into the Woods as Little Red Riding Hood and went on tour with them. And it was amazing. But yeah, I've had a, a really 
wonderful career. I've been very lucky. And now you're working on Sister Act, right? I am. I am in Sister Act at the Muni in St. Louis right now. It is wild. It's like a two and a half week process and it's all outside and we're in habits. So that's so hot. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It's so hot. I've never been sweatier in my entire life. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. What a fun, what a fun show though. I mean, that's like my childhood nostalgia right there from the movie. It's like one of my favorite movies. It always has been. Well, I definitely want to talk more about your work, but what I really wanted to have you on today is to talk about the issue of anti-fat bias in theater and particularly how it impacts kids. And as I was starting to research this, I pretty quickly found your TikToks talking about your own experiences as a plus-size actor and changes you would love to see happening in schools. And I was like, oh, I knew Katie. This is amazing. It's embedded in theater for sure. In the same way that like when you think about Disney princess, you have like a certain thing that comes to mind when you think of like Broadway ingenue, a very similar silhouette and person is in your head. And that's not just like body type. That's also like skin color and like so many other things like standing instead of in a wheelchair. Like that's not, there's so many things that are about that, that like if that's what is in people's heads, that's what the producers are going to want to give because Mm -hmm. it's sparkly and fun and supposed to be like the height of, you know, romanticizing the idea. So it's, it's embedded. And then of course there is the hairspray of it all, Mm -hmm. which I have played so many times because, and I always joke that's because I'm fat and breathing. And like, that's (laughs) the joke that I always say. And I love to watch people get uncomfortable when I say it, but like there's hairspray. So they, everybody's like, oh, well, you'll be Tracy. It'll be fine. That's one role in one like role. the musical theater canon and people genuinely use it as like, a, oh, you'll be fine. We've made so much progress. We have this one role for you. One role, lookout world. Or you get to be like the, the ugly fat best friend and like that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. it's still very much like in the sidekick place or being laughed at, which, you know, is not always a bad thing. Like I am a comedic actor. I live off of laughter, but there's a difference between people laughing with you and laughing at you. A hundred percent. And then honestly, with growing up in theater and like school, I didn't always get to do it because I was often working already. But I actually got really lucky because the person who was costuming all of those things is like a dear friend and neighbor. And she did not leave me out in the lurch ever. <gasps> That's amazing. And also had the capacity to build things from scratch. Mm-hmm. Like she had the skills and often with me, that's what she had to do, Mm -hmm. but she did. And I know that that is like a budget thing. That is a skill set thing. Yes, there's a few more steps that teachers have to take, but like you can and you should. I didn't experience not being able to fit into a costume because I had somebody to make it for me from scratch, but there were not costumes readily available for me ever. Right. And like Linda icon. Love that woman. Um, Thank you, Linda. We love you, Linda. Thank you, Linda. We love you so much. (laughs) So I got really lucky on that front. But like the biggest part of all of it is usually how they're costumed. That is definitely something I'm hearing from readers and listeners as well. So many stories of, you know, my theater career ended when ninth grade, I auditioned for the high school play and was told like, we don't have anything to put you in. It's a similar thing happens in sports, like team uniforms often don't come big enough. And I just think so often when we think about the stereotypes we have about fat kids, like lazy or whatever, it's like, okay, is it, I mean, if you're not making space for kids in these places, then 
what right that's the root of the stereotype like it's ridiculous it's like join the team that you literally don't fit into like that's such a big ask for a kid and it's so it can be like wildly embarrassing it's very othering it's like all of those things and when you actually take more than three seconds to think about it like why would they join that's awful you're asking a kid to feel unsafe in their body to do something that involves their body, right? Like sports, of course, but theater is also very physical, very much about your mm-hmm. body being looked at and like do that in a place where we just told you your body's not safe and welcome. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I'm staying home. Ridiculous. Same thing with dance too, when you're mm-hmm. like ordering costumes from, you know, said catalogs or whatever. I didn't get into competition dance until I was in high school. And my teacher is still a very dear friend. And like, really did the work to make sure that any costume that she was giving us, because we got to like vote on the top five or whatever it was. Um, but she did make sure always that she never gave us options. It didn't come in my size. Oh, that's great. That's great. So I always say like, I know that I am a wildly confident human being, but I also came from like, I guess the opposite of a perfect storm of just like all teachers being pretty supportive. Mm-hmm. And I, I said this about like two of my earliest teachers where the first time like a hateful comment came my way about how I looked, it just like bounced right off of me. And they had built an armor that I wasn't even aware I was wearing. Wow. I was like, I just don't think that's true. And that was what came to my head. I love that. I will never be able to repay, you know, the lack of trauma right. <laughs> that my teachers provided me. But at the same time, like the way I'm going to do that is by doing this yeah. and yelling about the amount of times that it's wrong. Cause it's not like people haven't said terrible things to my face. They have, but like, I guess I was just taught early enough that I, they were wrong and I shouldn't care. Yeah. You had the foundation in place and that should be the baseline for all kids. And it so often absolutely. Is not. So there's yeah. the costuming piece. I also want to go back to what you were saying about being cast in a role where you're going to be laughed at for your body, because I think that is really insidious, especially because so many school programs are using older shows, you know, because Mm -hmm. that's what they can license. And there is so much embedded fat phobia in jokes, in the way the fat characters are portrayed. I had a moment, I remember this so clearly in one of the 8,000 hairsprays where our director was talking to like the nicest kids who are mean to her, which is hilarious that that's what they're called. And he was talking about like describing the distaste when Amber sees me and I was in the room. So it's not like he wasn't saying these things like about me and slightly in my direction as a directorial note, but eventually he caught himself and he turned around and he was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I don't believe that you like you aren't. And he just kind of stammered over himself. And I was like, I know. But Mm -hmm. the fact that you just brought it up makes everybody think that that's not a thing anymore. Right. Like it's on the page. Right. But then that allowance made me so uncomfortable because I was like, yeah, no, I'm aware that I am not a beached whale, as they're saying. Right. I know. So it's kind of uncomfortable when you don't have the right people with you directing it, acting it whatever. Cause like there's some truly hateful things said in like all sorts of shows. I'm thinking about Hairspray specifically, Mm -hmm. but like I would be mortified, especially because like when you think about it, she's in an audition room when most of the mean things are said to her. So you're already so vulnerable standing in front of a group of people and they're like spewing these hate comments at you. I would be mortified. I would like sink into a puddle. So that's great because she overcomes it. But like as somebody who's fat, you still have to stand there and take it for a few minutes. 
And if you've heard them before, that's so hurtful. And if the theater industry is going to capitalize on making fun of me, I'm going to have an opinion. Yeah, that seems right. I mean, even in Sister Act, this isn't in the script anymore. I don't know if the London recording, it is on the London recording that this is how you meet Sister Mary Patrick with is the Kathy and Jimmy part from mm-hmm. the movie. Mm-hmm. An amazing character. Yeah. But there's nothing in the movie that signifies that she needs to be fat. She just is. Right. So she's just like this joyful person and nothing that she talks about has anything to do with her size. Right, which is pretty remarkable for back then. And then the first round of Sister Act came out, the musical, which was in London. And when you first meet the nuns, there's, I think it's called How I Got the Calling is how you meet them. This is the song. And they're talking about like how they came to Jesus and like what they thought about and whatever. And Sister Mary Patrick's verse is all about starting to see apostles in food. Hmm. Like she sees Hmm. it on like a piece of toast. She sees, you know, that kind of Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. And it's not in the script anymore. I don't know if they took that out after London. I don't know if it came to previews and then was taken out or whatever, but it's not in the Broadway recording which that song is called It's Good to Be a Nun. And there's nothing that she sings that has anything to do with her weight. She's actually just like overly, exactly how Kathy is, like overly joyful about these things that if you said in a sarcastic tone would sound very different, (laughs) which is delightful and so fun to play. But it like kind of baffled me. I'm like, why would you add it? Right. It's something if it already exists that way, but why add it? We actually have an older show that didn't have a lot of embedded anti-fatness, and they were like, let's just give a little sprinkle. Let's make sure we don't miss that opportunity. That's really disappointing. But it's great that they took it out. Yes. I mean, I'm thrilled that that's not a thing at all. But it was so funny that, like, that was a choice that was made. And at one point I was saying that I was in Sister Act to a friend and they were like, oh, are you playing the like the young postulate? Because that's also a part that I absolutely could play. Absolutely. And I said, no, I'm playing the fat one. And I laughed about it. Right. And he's like, Katie, come on, you got to stop with like, stop phrasing it in that way. And I was like, I will stop phrasing it that way when they stop casting it that way. This is what's happening. I might as well just name it. This is what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's tricky. What about with Into the Woods? Was there anything that you had to navigate there? I didn't really experience this in New York. But when we went on the road, it's so interesting when you perform a show for very different people who live in very different states. Mm -hmm. And things are just going to get laughed at differently. It's always a joke that Little Red is eating the whole show. Like it's in the stage directions Mm -hmm. and... They refer to it many times. She's supposed to sing certain things with her mouth full. Mm -hmm. And like, I will never eat a muffin ever again (laughs) because of how many I shoved in my face. Just so much scarring. But there's a line later on that said, because the wolf has now eaten her. Spoiler alert. And (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I think we all know that one. And the narrator says, well, it was a full day of eating for both. And like, it's just talking about the fact that she, in every single scene before that, has had a piece of food in her hand. Mm -hmm. But I had to watch that show, like, I don't know, four or five times when I was learning it to replace Julia Lester in New York. Mm -hmm. And she is, in my opinion, Mm midsize. I don't know how she identifies. I've never asked. But like, I am much larger than she is. Mm -hmm. And her laugh was very clearly the, there's been food in her hand the whole time. And my laugh is something different. Yeah. Because then you can hear like sometimes because, you know, when people do like the surprise chuckle, Mm -hmm. like that one came sometimes. And then I think we were in North Carolina and I heard like a 
hateful laugh. And I was like, oh, okay, sir. Like, this is what's going to happen. And for me, it's just like, all right, well, that's you're a terrible person. And like, that was, and again, it doesn't hurt me, but I'm aware of it. But I'm also aware that all of a sudden Little Red is getting cast as fat everywhere. Yeah. And like, which is so cool. And my roommate said that he was like, you are aware that this is happening because you exist. And I just burst into tears and couldn't handle that at all. But no, it's right. It's right. Yeah. You just have to have somebody be the first one. And there's something about maybe that armor that like, maybe I am well suited to always be the first one because it doesn't hurt me. So like, if I need to be the person that's on the horse, then fine. Give me a sword. I'm already up here. Like, let's do it. Like if the joke is she eats a lot, she eats a lot. It shouldn't have anything to do with body size. The fact that we react differently because of body size is the audience bringing their own anti-fatness to that. Mm-hmm. And I feel really protective of you. And I'm like, and of all the fat actors who are going to play that part. And like, no, 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 it's not yep. a fat joke. It's not a fat joke. Like, should we change it? So it's clearly not a fat joke. But that's such a tricky nuance. Like, it's part of the script. Right. And it's bringing up something in people. Like, that's, it's one of those things about art. Like, you can, you know, people are bringing their own things to it. And so... Yes. I don't know if it would have made sense to rewrite the way food is handled in that show just because it's going to trigger an anti-fat laugh. And at the same time, there's a part of me that's like, well, what what would it look like to do it? Right. And I mean, that could be a different conversation for someone who is playing Little Red and it makes them feel uncomfortable. I've been very vocal about how much I hate those muffins (laughs) all over my Instagram and TikTok. And at one point somebody was asking, or she was bringing up the fact that she's about to play this part and she's like really anxious about the eating on stage because she is fat. And she was just saying like, how do you handle that? I was like, well, have you talked to them about it? Like Mm -hmm. you don't have to like just cut it. Mm -hmm. And she said in all capitals, I can do that. And I was like, yeah. It's you on stage. Like you can have the conversation. And honestly, if you tell them that it makes you feel uncomfortable and they don't respond well, like just back them into a corner in their own anti-fat bias Mm -hmm. right there. Like easy. Because that's my favorite thing is always to just keep asking why until somebody Mm -hmm. has like big eyes and they don't know what they're doing anymore. And I I just like sit there happily torturing somebody. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. I have no problem doing it. Yeah. No. I'm curious, now that you've played Red, do you feel like when you go in for parts, is there a different conversation? Do you feel like that is going to help casting directors see other leads as, oh, wait, this could certainly be a fat person? The thing that's so tricky about this all is that, like, people are so slow to undo their own brains. So I do think that while they may not necessarily be thinking about other people in new roles, they are thinking about me. Mm Mm-hmm which is step one, Mm -hmm. because then the more I show up, then the more they're like, okay, well, this like really works. So maybe we should cast so-and-so who's like, like Katie in in these ways. Do you know what I mean? I feel like I am like a very early step in what could be like, yes, they start casting a lot of different ways. Right. Because I do think that that's going to be a slow burn for sure. But the fact that I'm starting to be more on people's minds and, you know, casting sheets is only a good thing. And it's an enormous privilege, but I do believe that it is like the beginning of a charge. I just don't know how fast that charge is going. So let's talk a little bit about for kids theater. What are some changes you'd love to see? You had these really great experiences with these teachers who saw you and made sure you were included and welcome. 
What do you think other programs can learn from them? I think that casting is like the first thing that teachers can always do. Mm-hmm. I'm a part of this big theater festival that I do every year that has 6,000 teenagers in it, which is so many kids. So many kids. <laughs> so many kids. But we're never supposed to like bring up the directors because you never want to like pit programs against each other. So you're supposed to leave them out of it. But there was this one production, and they have to be like 15 minutes long that I was watching of Susical. And I've never seen a bigger group of just like wonderful little misfits all of a sudden coming in front of me. I'm like, oh my God, what are we about to watch? And I was so excited. And I have no idea what gender the cat in the hat goes by. And frankly, I don't care. It's a Mm -hmm. cat. That is the way that I thought about this whole thing. What was technically like the ingenue part in that show, I've never seen somebody look so much like a cartoon, aside from the fact that this girl had the biggest smile in the world. She looked exactly like Sadness from Inside Out. Oh, I love Sadness. Exactly. So cute with a big, big, big smile on her face. Horton was like a bigger guy, which is always kind of how that's cast because he's an elephant. Mm -hmm. And like all of these things... And they did this whole show. And then Maisie, who's supposed to be like this hot girl, was played by this lanky ginger boy who slayed. And the whole time I'm like, oh, my God, this is how theater should be. And I turned around and I said, I was like, who cast this? And I was breaking tons of rules when I said this. And the teacher like raised her hand, like very alarmed. And I just said, everyone in the room, take note. Yeah. Because that's how you're supposed to do that. Yeah. Everyone succeeded so hard because she just saw them for who they were. Right. And like, do that again. And it wasn't even the fact that like the cute little fat girl got to play the ingenue, but it was that everybody was so perfectly suited. Right. And it was a huge celebration. So it starts with casting where it's like, just see them for the talent that they have and call it a day. We need to keep telling these kids that like, Just because no one like you has played it doesn't mean no one ever will. You could be that person. Because people always say like, I'm not the type for that role is the parentheses at the end of that statement. But they say I'm not the type. And I hate the phrase typecasting. Hate it. It's so annoying and it's not true. And it's the smallest minded way of making theater and frankly ends up being boring. Yeah. So boring. But people always say, I'm not the type. And I was like, you are not the person who currently played it, but they're looking for a replacement. So why wouldn't they be looking for something different? Yes. But people literally won't take auditions because they don't think they're the type. We can't keep ourselves out of the rooms. Exactly. This isn't even just fat people. Why would you take yourself out of this race before you even begin? Right. Like you have something so specific to bring to this. Why not come in and change their mind? Sounds like fun, frankly. I love that so much. I'm sure you'd also want to see a greater focus on costuming, being inclusive. Yeah. I mean, some of my sister act castmates and I were talking and like to be very like to give credit where credit is due. It's a very diverse cast, especially with the nuns as far as body, age and ability. They did their jobs here at the Muni. We're very happy with that. However, We were kind of talking about how, like, at one point, the risers that were on for what is Raise Your Voice, which is when they learned to sing, are really small. And it's the funniest thing because the Muni is, like, the biggest stage in the world. (laughs) Like, it's enormous. It's not like they didn't have space. Right. So it was funny that, like, the risers ended up being so small. And I did say that I was like, in some ways, it sucks because if you're going to be diverse in casting, 
then you also have to think about it through the whole show. Like, don't just think about the fact that like, yes, we did the job and they're going to be on stage. That might also mean that like, you need two more feet in each step Mm. because you have some bigger bodied people on stage. Mm -hmm. You need more time to get from point A to point B because one of these people is over 65. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're going to cast that way, don't then punish the people you casted. Don't make it hard for them to be there and do their job. Exactly. Yeah. And very much in the same way where it would be somebody in sports playing in a uniform that's too small. Yeah. I feel like people do one step and then not the second one. (laughs) And it's because, you know, diverse casting is like trendy right Mm -hmm. now, but that still requires work. Well, and it's interesting that you bring up the physical space of the set because, of course, the other big issue in the theater world is audience seats, right? being yep. way too small for a lot of bodies, yeah, which is not anything I expect you to fix. Let me gut every single theater right. in the world and start this all over. But it shows as an industry, they're not thinking about physical space right yet. They haven't sort of made that pivot. And again, this is very different in like each different space that we were in. Some were better, some were not. There were some places that had like really decent, you know, like a wheelchair kind of seating mm-hmm. and like accessible seating. Then also with like closed captioning and ASL interpreted. But yes, theater seats are tiny and that is capitalism at its finest. Mm -hmm. But it does tell people, you know, I can't imagine being a fat little kid who can't even fit into the seat saying like, you don't even deserve to watch it, let alone be in it. So terrible. So often when parents are picking a program for their kid, they're not going to have that much choice, right? It's not like you can just shop Mm -hmm. around and find the most size-inclusive theater program. Depending where you live, there may be a theater program. So Mm -hmm. what are a couple of things you would tell parents to do if they're sussing out a new program for their child or if they have a kid already in love with theater but are sort of, you know, saying, I'm noticing the typecasting, I'm noticing the costumes, whatever. I want to focus this on advice for parents of kids in bigger bodies, but if there are things that you think parents of thin kids should be doing as well to be good allies, let's definitely name that too. I mean, optics are your friend. Like if you don't see any kid that looks like your kid, it's because there isn't one Mm -hmm. and you're about to put your kid in that situation. Mm -hmm. And I also mean that for parents with thinner children, because like they're also learning something by the lack of. Because their bodies are about to change, too. And, like, if they come into a program where they did fit and then they change and then they don't. Yeah. So common. that is. So common. So I would say that that matters. Like, look at who's on stage. Pay attention to, you know, who is not exactly the stereotypical, like, theater dancer that's in your head. Are they the ones that are on stage at all? Are they the ones that are in the front? Mm -hmm. Are they the ones that look happy to be there? Because if they're not, then you should probably not be there. And like the thing that is hard is that I know that it's not easy to shop around for programs because arts needs so much more funding and space and availability and all of that stuff, which is a much longer conversation. (laughs) But I will say that in so many ways, theater is going to keep being around and like your kid can always go to college for it. Your kid can always find programs later when they move to a different place. Mm. But I would say, honestly, if it's not a safe program, don't let them stay in it. Because I think that they would be faster to fall out of love with theater by someone saying hateful things to them than not having the opportunity to do it. Mm -hmm. So if it's not a safe space, don't keep them there. 
Do you think it's worth parents trying to have conversations with the people running the programs? Absolutely. Before you pull the cord. I think, see, yes. Before see how pull, open. Yes, I do. And it's it's all about like talking to your kid about like, especially their comfort level. Like, how do you feel about this? And when it comes time, like keep tabs on when the deadlines for things are. Mm-hmm. Because when they say like, oh, we're going to be in costumes at this date or we're going to have fittings done by this date. Usually that piece of information is somewhere on the first calendar that you get. Mm. And if your kid doesn't have it by then, ask around. And if your kid is alone in that fact, that's a red flag. Mm. Yeah. Because that means that they're like finding a problem and they can't find anything for them with the biggest eye roll I can possibly (laughs) muster. Like, you know, that kind of stuff. Because if the deadlines are getting pushed, they're about to be in a not great situation. There's so much about theater that is people looking at you. Mm -hmm. So even though it may seem like a really frivolous problem, it can feel really intense. Oh, gosh, yes. And like I've been in... (laughs) You know, I always say that when we're in technical rehearsals or like in previews when you're rehearsing all day and the show is a little bit different every night and you're figuring all of this stuff out, that every actor is just a toddler who hasn't napped in days and like is ready to get set off at any point in time. And I cannot even begin to tell you the amount of times that I've cried because a costume is ugly in that situation. Right. And it's not even that it doesn't fit. It's just like, this is awful. Like, you just don't. (laughs) And you lose it. And it happens. But, like, that would seem like such a silly tantrum, quote, unquote, to be having. But, like, it's so personal. And I have them as adults. Like, it's just, if your kid is having those feelings, please pay attention to them. Because what they like to do also requires being stared at for two and a half hours. And if they don't feel good about that. And it's, I mean, it may be that the costume is ugly, but that's really just a way of verbalizing. It is really hard that I am being stared at for two and a half hours. Like that. So I think it's just like talk to them a lot about like how they feel, where they're being placed. Do they think it's funny? Do they enjoy the show? Do they feel good doing the show? Do they feel good in the costume? Like ask them about how they feel often and about specific things. Seems like that would be good to do pretty early in the process too. I mean, I'm thinking when they first get the script, maybe reading it with them. Absolutely. Not that you as the parent can necessarily edit the script, but if you read it and you notice like some clear fat jokes, is it worth then reaching out to the director to say, how are you handling this moment? Right. I think that it's hard because often you are not allowed to. Like, Licensing is a really, really specific thing as far as the edits that you're allowed to make or not make. And that's what kind of sucks about theater in that way that like the script kind of is what the script is. But can we have a moment for how much that sucks? Yes, it does. And are people doing racist plays because they're like, well, I'm not allowed to edit it? Like this is wild to me that there wouldn't be some process, you know, in publishing, we have sensitivity readers who read your whole book and look for Mm -hmm. moments where your bias got in the way of you, you know, being inclusive because writers, especially privileged white writers, don't notice that we're saying something that's racist or otherwise harmful. And how theater is not operating with a similar sort of process at this point feels wild to me. I earnestly have no idea. Yeah. That's the part of it that like I simply don't get. 
Outside of the fact that like, it's just, there's so many, because I've been a part now of like a few musicals from the ground up. And like, I've been a part of a musical that I believe in and love so much. Also, because like, it's a whole new fat person that I just like, I wish that this role existed when I was a kid and I want it for so many people. Yeah. And it's not just me. It's about like four sisters who are all just like very different people and it's delightful, but I've been a part of that since 2018. It almost went to Broadway like four times already. It's not to say that it won't, it still could, Mm -hmm. but I know how hard it is to write a musical. Right. Outside of the fact that I literally didn't write it, but I saw it all happening. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so many people involved in that. There's so much editing involved in that. There's so much legalities involved in Mm -hmm. all of that because it's been performed and it's, you know, some of these writers are no longer with us. So then it's in somebody's estate and like, it's just complicated. Yeah. So I don't know, but it should be happening. There's a different conversation about how it should be happening when it's professional theater and how it should be happening when... It's your elementary school play or your middle school play, and kids are much more vulnerable. I will say I feel like most of the time the juniors, like any, you know, Into the Mm -hmm. Woods junior as opposed to Into the Woods, do do an excellent job with that. And I guess what I would want parents to think about if your kid is doing a show that has some embedded anti-fatness in it and changing the line is not possible— Is there someone in the program who can have a conversation with the cast about that part of the script and say, you know, I mean, this is, I did theater very lately as a child, but I remember being in a production of Bye Bye Birdie when I was in sixth grade and the How Lovely to Be a Woman song, you know, is pretty Mm -hmm. cringy in a lot of ways. And Mm -hmm. I remember this was like 19... 91 or something and the director sat us all down and was like we're gonna talk about this song for a little bit and yeah we're still gonna perform it we have to perform it but we're gonna talk about what we're hearing here and like all the problems of this and so that would also go a long way I think for for casts to oh yeah to at least learn from the text in that way yeah we have what's called table work in theater and it's like more or less just sitting down and talking about it talking about a lot of like motivations and where we are in the scene, sensitive stuff and whatever, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't know why we don't do table work with people that are young because it's making it sound like they can't have a conversation and they absolutely can. And if you don't have the conversation, you're presenting the text to them as something that is just fact. It's okay. Yeah. You're Mm -hmm. like, this is a fine joke. You shouldn't bump on this instead of saying like, yeah, this is a lot. We should impact this. Plus, it's also just one of those things that, like, maybe that's not a show that you should choose. Right. And, like, as a teacher, I would think that, like, one of the biggest things, and, like, this is so hard because you can't ever please everybody, ever. But, you know, maybe just because (laughs) you love Thoroughly Modern Millie so, so much, because it's a brilliant musical in so many ways, we just really shouldn't do it anymore because there's a lot of anti-Asian hate in Mm -hmm. there. Mm-hmm. and just like wild stereotypes that are awful and not true at right. all. And like, you'll live to see another day right. if you don't do Thoroughly Modern Millie. Like, yeah. it's, it's a musical. Everybody relax. It's a musical. Like, that's what I say to myself so many times where it's like when it gets like big feelings because you get so in all of it. I'm just like, it is just a musical. Mm-hmm. We are singing and dancing. Somebody has scissors in somebody's brain. This is not that serious. <laughs> Like, it's just not. 
What about advice for kids themselves? I mean, I love the way you talked about your own experiences of being able to hear the anti-fatness and just say like, no, that's wrong. Obviously, that's not every kid's experience. And they may Mm -hmm. be in a situation with a director where they have to do some advocating for themselves. I think that as scary as it is, just keep talking. Because that's what I love with like the whys of it all. When you just keep asking and then they don't have an answer for you, like you'll find out that the teacher really doesn't either know what they're talking about or knows exactly what they're talking about and has like not great intentions in Mm -hmm. mind. I think that it's, it's a lot easier when you have a pal. Mm. Because I will say like in the shows where I'm supposed to be very othered because of my size, like Hairspray, for example, that also means that effectively I'm alone. So if I have an issue, it's about me and me alone. Mm. And that makes it a lot harder for me to advocate for myself because I'm like, okay, well, like, is this me being dramatic? Like, it's, sure. it only applies to me. And like, that can feel really like I'm just making, you know, a mountain out of a molehill. And mm-hmm. like, I usually give myself like the night when I get upset about something like that and then come in the next day with like where I'm at. Like I said, the toddlers without a nap when things are getting intense in theater and like you just feel things a little bit harder than you should, but that's because you are thrown into this and asked to like display your emotions in these bright flashing colors and just be perfectly fine with that. So I guess like there is some editing involved, but I've had people ask like, how are you so vocal about this? And I did say it's because I pick and choose my battles. When it's just something silly that in like the crux of it all is just silly. And those are the smaller things to let go mm-hmm. where I, I really reserve the word no for when I absolutely mean it. Mm-hmm. Because then when I say it, it gets heard and it's a full sentence because I don't just toss it around all the time. I hate this kind of advice, but like I almost wouldn't react in the moment. Mm. Because then you also don't have a level head. Right. Because like the easiest way to figure out these things is to spit straight facts at these people. And like if your emotions are involved, it's not always your friend. Sometimes we don't have any control over that. I have absolutely had like screaming, crying moments. Mm -hmm. Like I have. But in retrospect, I would have loved to have been able to go home and cry that out there right? and then come back the next day and be like, this is why that wasn't okay. This is what's going to happen from now on. And if it doesn't, I'm walking. And like being able to say that calmly might have done the job better. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to say like you have to edit your emotions to feel them because I don't believe in that at all. But bringing it as a solution is always handled better calmly. Yeah. And honestly... For all of the thin people listening, pay attention. I know it doesn't apply to you. I know. But I have so many advocates in my life that like my musical theater, especially female friends or female presenting friends are so hot. They just are. Mm -hmm. Like they are dancers that are tall and lanky, legs as long as I am tall, beautiful women. And they are my biggest advocates. Like I've had like the most beautiful dancer you can think of cuss someone out in a rehearsal room because of how they were treating me. I love this. I love this. And like, yeah, I love this. But like, I feel so championed by them Mm -hmm. that then sometimes they'll be like, oh, and I'm like, you know what? I actually got this. They're like, excellent, excellent, go. Uh, (laughs) Yes, I'm here. Like they bring out the pom-poms and they're ready. But like, please, please be allies for each other. Mm -hmm. You see it happening. I don't care if it doesn't apply to you. All you have to do is back that person up and you can see when people are upset. 
like I do this thing always because like we don't often have a lot of time when something annoys us in theater. So like sometimes you are rehearsing while you're fully crying about something that happened six minutes ago. Mm. Like it happens, especially when you're in a fast process. And I always go over to said castmate and I was like, do you need space or do you need a teammate? And they will either like let me know which one that is or then with a teammate. And I was like, "Okay, am I on your team or do you need me to yell for you? Because I will. What do you need? I love both of those framings so much. That's such a useful Mm -hmm. way to think about how to support each other. But I think everybody just needs to pay a little more attention because so often in musicals, because of the like hot topic of diversity and like wanting to have, you know, check all the boxes, one of everything. That means that that person might feel really alone. Mm-hmm. So if you see them doing it, just go be a teammate. Yeah. Just stand next to them. Yeah. It's not that hard. I love that as skills we can be building in our kids. Really, I mean, for anything, but for theater in particular, but for any sport, any activity where they're working with peers, like how do you be a teammate? That's perfect. Absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. The last thing I want to chat with you about a little bit is trolls. I mean, every public facing mm-hmm. fat person has them. We have them. There are special, mm-hmm. special little treasures <laughs> that come with us. Um, you are challenging so many norms and expectations in your work. So just how are you doing? You know, how are you doing with it all? With the trolls? <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things that like you don't care until one of them all of a sudden guts you. Yep. And like, there's no difference in the type of comments that they are with the ones that affects you and the ones that don't Mm -hmm. like, they're not any more or less mean than the other ones. It's really just like where you're available that day. Mm. And it really is. They like caught like the soft underbelly pun very much intended (laughs) of like your moment there. Mm -hmm. Not to shame anybody, but like, (laughs) if you want to make yourself feel better, just go to their profile and like, (laughs) because they're so alike. (laughs) They're so alike. They're usually an older white man who's just like not a nice person, clearly. Like it just, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or it's like a picture of their cat. They don't want to show their face. Mm -hmm. Like they have exactly the same profile almost all the time. And like, if you are the person that is sitting behind the computer and this is how you really like get off on yourself like you are the person that I feel sorry for not mm-hmm. the other way around absolutely absolutely plus I mean there is like a really hot answer where I'm like I'm on Broadway what are you doing <laughs> good god I am here for that just, answer. <laughs> I'm here for that answer too I don't always have the wherewithal to have it honestly I think of those people as like not real yeah. because they aren't in the way that, like, they are sitting behind a computer screen yelling about people they don't know. They are somebody who, like, if you started a conversation with, would turn to any easy insult just to make you feel worse. Like, they aren't real. Mm-hmm. If somebody that I knew and loved said something like that to me, it would make me think really hard about, like, okay, what part of this have I brought on? Mm-hmm. What have I done in here? What do I really not deserve in this? Like, how do we have a conversation from this? But no part of those trolls warrants that response from me. Yeah. I hear, again, that armor. Like, I hear the voices of my friends and my champions and my family and you know, directors and, you know, a photographer that's taken a boudoir shoot of me. Like Mm. I've had so many people see me in like really vulnerable spaces and said beautiful things. Mm -hmm. And I would rather keep those ones in my head. 
Totally. So yeah, I just do. So Katie, what is your butter today? I'm on a big smell kick right now. Oh, say like, more. Like big perfume gal. Wasn't really ever growing up. Like I like to smell good, but I wasn't like hunting for really good things. Mm-hmm. Joe Malone is expensive. Mm-hmm. A of all. It is. But there's something that like Joe Malone, I'm assuming, is a woman. She is in my head. She's like this fabulous like coastal grandma type of type. That's you know how I, mean? I picture her um, too. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yes, thank you. Okay. Yeah. Glad we're on the same page on this. But there's just something that that company has figured out about like skin chemistry where Mm. it either is going to smell delicious and hang on to you or it's not. So I go into Jo Malone or like Sephora or Alta or whatever it is and go and like spray them all on like sticks that I'm interested in and then spray it on yourself and shop for the rest of the day and then see how you smell. Oh, this is good advice. I am someone who's totally confused by buying perfume and I admire like my favorite aunt wore this amazing perfume that like just you smell it and you're I'm there. I'm in her garden. I'm with her. You know, it's like really good. Love it. And I've always been like, how do people find a signature scent like that? That's so confusing to me. That is how you do that. Like your first, if you are like shopping in a mall for like four hours, go to that store first, smell them outside of you. Once you found one that you like, spray it on like your wrists and neck and whatever you're going to do. Walk around for four hours, sweat a little bit Mm -hmm. and then smell yourself. And if it smells great, then that is your perfume. But like, Take the time. I've been having a really good time with it. And I found a Joe Malone that's like nectarine and honey, I think it's called. Ooh, delicious. And I literally, I put like one spritz of it and everyone like whips their head. They're like, what are you wearing? Right. But it's because I took the time to find out. And it's honestly really fun to like figure out your own like skin chemistry. Oh, so that's my that's recommendation. Delightful. That's such a good recommendation. Yeah. My recommendation this week is going to be somewhat more amorphous, but I just came off of a really good weekend with my three best friends and our nine children. Between us, we have nine children. That's so loud. Four moms, nine kids. There were points where it was so loud and we would be like, y'all need to go on the porch. You cannot be in the house. There's too much noise. Yeah. We stayed at one of my, my best friend, Amy, her parents have a beach house in Ocean City, New Jersey, and were very generous and lent it to us for the weekend. And it was just this epic time of the moms getting time together, the kids getting time together. And yes, it was chaotic, but there were also like like less so than I expected. Like people slept. It was impressive. Our kids are all, the youngest is four now. So I think we've aged into okay. this place where it can work. Like the kids sort of form their little groups and go off. Right, that and, might be a sweet spot right there. And there was like a beautiful moment when... The three oldest kids were singing Matilda, like a top volume on the front board, (laughs) like some theater kids there in the making. And it was just so much joy. But the thing I want to really recommend, and this is, you know, more for the parents in the audience, is there were a lot of times where the kids would want something, but the four of us were having so much fun hanging out that we would just be like, no, go away. The moms were having mom time. And the kids got it. They were like, oh, okay, I guess I have to go figure out how to get a snack myself. And I just love that we were prioritizing our friendship and modeling that for our kids, that they were seeing like four moms prioritize each other somewhat over them at times, (laughs) but just like that that friendship was what they were seeing. And just anyway, so I don't know if my recommendation is for friendship or for ignoring your children, a little of both. Yes, please ignore your children, everyone. It is, yes. It seems great. But I just, (laughs) I think investing hard in your 
whatever gender your best friends are. But in my case, female friendship is just like love. Every that. time we do it, I'm like, oh, the best, the best. Just female friendships in general is yes. the recommendation. Yes, that's the better. Katie, this was delightful. Thank you so, so much for spending the time with us. Tell folks where we can follow you, how we can support your work, where we can next see you, all the things. I am on both Instagram and TikTok pretty actively. Instagram is Katie Garrity with a period in the middle and TikTok is just Katie Garrity. And I'm in Sister Act at the Muni. So if you're in St. Louis, amazing. From I don't know when this will be, but it's the 14th through the 20th. So it's literally this week, which is so stressful. Uh, but we're going to be great. You're going to kill it. We're going to try. And then, you know, I'm going to be back in the city. I have some concerts and such in New York that are coming up that I will start plugging on all of those handles. But yeah, follow me and talk to me and like, I'm always very open for conversations with both students and parents alike. I have a lot of messages that come in, but like, I never don't want to talk. So like, please just message and ask and like, let's have this conversation. Well, and I just want to say on behalf of all the spectacular fat kids who want to act, like, thank you for, (laughs) for being this representation. We really need it. And yeah, it's, Mm -hmm. it's awesome. So thank you for doing it. I feel honored to be on this horse, really. It's a good horse. We're glad you're there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much for listening to Bird Toast. If you'd like to support the show, please subscribe for free in your podcast player and tell a friend about this episode, especially if you have a friend with a kid in theater. This is a great one to share. You can also leave us a rating or review. Just scroll down until you see the stars and tap. That really helps folks find the show. And consider a paid subscription to the Bird Toast newsletter. It's just $5 a month or $50 for the year. You'll get a ton of cool perks and you keep this an ad in sponsor-free space. Find out more at virginiasoulsmith.substack.com. The Burnt Toast Podcast is produced and hosted by me, Virginia Soulsmith. You can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at V underscore Soulsmith. Our transcripts are edited and formatted by Corinne Fay, who runs Cell Trade Plus, an Instagram account where you can buy and sell plus-size clothing. The Burnt Toast logo is by Deanna Lowe. Our theme music is by Jeff Bailey and Chris Maxwell. And Tommy Heron is our audio engineer. Thanks for listening and supporting anti-diet, body liberation, journalism.